You are listening to audio from Faith Church. If you are in the Seminole, St. Pete area, we would love for you to join us on a Sunday. To learn more, visit us at faithrs.org. If you have your Bible or your ESV scripture journal, will you take that and go with me to Luke chapter 7? Luke chapter 7. And if you don't own a Bible, we'd love to give you one. There are stacks of Bibles on the tables in the back of the room. Take one now or on your way out of worship today. That's our gift to you. we have already given out a couple of them this morning. We'd love to give out some more. We'll be looking this morning at Luke chapter 7. That'll be on page 58 of the Scripture Journal if you're using that. And if you're willing and able, will you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word? We stand to show our reverence and our readiness. We truly believe this is God's Word. We're eager to hear from Him this morning. After the passage is read, I'm going to say, this is the word of the Lord, and I invite you to respond, thanks be to God. I'm going to read Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 50. One of the Pharisees asked him, Jesus, to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she, she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little And Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this? Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. On Sunday mornings, we've been looking at Luke's gospel. We've been journeying with Jesus from Bethlehem to Jerusalem, from the cradle to the cross. Jesus' earthly ministry was only about three years, in terms of the duration of the time span, only about three years. And in those three years, he devoted himself to three things. Healing various diseases, teaching through sermons and stories, and gathering a community of followers. Two weeks ago, we looked at Jesus' healing ministry. We looked at some of his miracles. Now, the miracles are not Jesus showing off. They're Jesus showing who. 
showing us who he is. In these miracles, we see the authority, the divinity of Jesus. This is indeed God in the flesh. Last Sunday, we looked at an example of Jesus' teaching ministry, his first sermon, the king's first speech. And in that speech, he tells us what it means to be one of his disciples, what it means to be one of his followers. Today, we're going to look at Jesus' ministry of gathering a community, so healing, teaching, and gathering. In Luke chapter 2, we saw that the news of Jesus' birth went to shepherds. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus calls fishermen to be among his first followers. So we've already discovered in Luke's gospel that Jesus fellowships with people who are unrefined, who are, we could say, filthy. But even greater, even more telling about what sort of king this is, we're going to learn today that Jesus fellowships with those who are not just filthy, but morally filthy. Morally filthy. Before we get into chapter 7, I want to just tell you very quickly about a short story in chapter 5. In chapter 5, Jesus meets a man named Levi. And we're only told one thing about Levi. We're told that he's a tax collector. And that's really all we need to know, because in the ancient world, tax collectors did not have a very good reputation. They, of course, handled large sums of money. They were, no, they were known for keeping some of that money for themselves, exploiting the system for their own financial gain. So they did not have a good reputation. In fact, they were thought of as despicable, filthy individuals. The modern-day social equivalent would be a pimp or a drug dealer. When you hear those terms, you automatically think despicable, dirty individual who takes advantage of others, right? That's exactly how people in antiquity thought of tax collectors. Levi is a tax collector. He had no friends, no one who wanted to be around him until Jesus. Until King Jesus befriends him. See, Jesus not only fellowships with the filthy, he fellowships with the morally filthy. Last week when we looked at Jesus' sermon, that sermon answered the question, what does it mean to be one of his disciples? Today in chapter 7, our primary text, we're going to answer the question, who can become one of Jesus' disciples? Or perhaps a better way to put the question, who can become one of the king's friends? Who can become one of King Jesus' friends? And we'll find our answer in Luke 7. Now, this story in Luke 7 is triangular. Like many of the meal scenes in Luke's gospel, many times in this gospel in particular, Jesus will have a meal with someone. He'll go to a party. So however you think of Jesus, if your theology of Jesus doesn't have room for a partying Jesus, then you don't know the real Jesus. Because in Luke's gospel, again and again, Jesus will go to parties with people. And many of those scenes are triangular, meaning that in addition to Jesus and the other main character in this story, there's a third party, there's a third group. And that third group invariably has difficulty with Jesus. They don't understand him. They don't understand what he came to do, what he came to accomplish. They question, they grumble. And in this story, that third party is going to be a leading Pharisee named Simon. The Pharisees were religious people. They were religious people. They had a strict 
sense of separatism. They were very quick to label other people as sinners and then to exclude those people. The Pharisees were people of exclusion. We're going to see that Jesus is a person of embrace. So the third party is Simon the Pharisee. Now the other main character, other than Jesus, is a woman. And she's a very mysterious woman. We never learn her name. And in the entire encounter, she doesn't say a single word. Not one. But her heart. Her heart reveals her reverence and her humility toward Jesus. I want us to look at the story in three parts. An uninvited guest. A lesson in grace. And finally, a word of forgiveness. First, an uninvited guest. Verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. So here's the setting for the story. This leading Pharisee named Simon, he decides to throw a party and he invites Jesus to come and to eat with him. There's another woman, this unnamed woman, who must have somehow already known about Jesus. Maybe she had heard about his healing ministry. Maybe she had heard some of his teaching ministry for herself. She's eager to meet Jesus. We know that because she crashes this party. She sneaks in to Simon the Pharisee's house, totally uninvited. Now, we need to understand a little bit of the cultural background here to, to see exactly how this is playing out. In the ancient world, parties like this happened out in public, not behind closed doors. Most homes would have had a large courtyard surrounded by rooms all opening up into the courtyard and a dining area there, and the home would have been open. So this woman follows Jesus, and she comes into that courtyard where everyone is gathered. Again, we never learn her name, but in the context of the story, we don't need to know her name. Everyone at this party already knows her. In fact, everyone in the city already knows her. She is labeled as a woman of the city. To keep things coy, she was a lady of the night. She had a reputation. This woman knew the lust of the city. She had quite the reputation. So we don't need to know her name, you see, because everyone already knew her. Everyone knew her. She comes in, and however long she had been in this line of work, and there's sort of an undeveloped past here. We don't really know how long she had been in this line of work, nor do we know how she got herself into it. Maybe she had no other ways to make money. There weren't many career options for women in the ancient world. Maybe she had been sold into this line of work by her own family. That often happened when a family was in great debt. We don't know. There's an undeveloped past. But we know that she had quite a bit of money at her disposal because she comes with an alabaster flask of ointment. Now, ointment, probably not the best translation here. This is not a tube of Neosporin. This is much more like an essential oil today. It's a costly aromatic oil that was usually applied to an individual's head. But notice what this woman does. She goes straight to Jesus' feet. She crashes the party. She goes straight to Jesus' feet. And she begins to weep uncontrollably. So many tears 
that she can wash Jesus' feet with her own tears and with her own hair. Are these tears of remorse, repentance as she thinks about the filth of her former way of life? Are these tears of joy as she meets Jesus who she's been longing to meet? We don't know. Luke doesn't tell us. We can only wonder. But we do know this. At this moment, this woman doesn't care about anything except meeting Jesus. She's crashing the party. She's an uninvited guest, remember? She doesn't care what people think of her. She doesn't care what happens to her. She simply falls at Jesus' feet. And when she does so, Simon, remember he's the host of the party, Simon the leader of the Pharisees, he has an unkind response, a very unkind response. And Jesus teaches Simon a lesson in grace. That's our second point. Verse 39. Now when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, if this Jesus were really a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. She is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. So here again we see that these Pharisees, they are people of exclusion. They have a strict sense of separatism. In Simon's mind, this woman is a lady of the night. She is a filthy individual. She is not welcomed by God, and therefore she is not welcome in my house. And if Jesus were a true prophet, he would know that. He would know what sort of woman this is. Now here's what I want you to see in this story. All of what I just said, those are just thoughts bouncing around in Simon's mind. He hasn't said anything aloud yet. His judgmental thoughts are kept safe in the echo chamber of his mind. Or so he thinks. So he thinks. Because Jesus answers his thoughts. Simon simply has these judgmental thoughts. He thinks to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known this is a sinner. And Jesus, answering Simon's thoughts says to him, Simon, I want to teach you a lesson. By answering his thoughts, Jesus shows Simon that he is a prophet and far more. See, Jesus knows everything about Simon. Jesus knows everything about this woman. And so he goes on with the lesson. It's a short story. Now, why would Jesus tell a story here before we even look at the details of it? Why not just come out and rebuke Simon in a very clear, explicit way? Why share a short story? Because stories have great power. And stories wield this great power with the gentleness of indirectness. See, Jesus wants to lead even Simon to self-awareness. He tells this story hoping that Simon will find himself in the story. Perhaps you too need to find yourself in this story. So how does the story go? A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, a great, great debt, and the other 50. When they could not pay, the lender canceled the debt of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? And Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly, Simon. So it's a very simple story. Two people... Both are in debt. Both, in fact, are trapped by their debt. Not debt like we have it today. 
Debt like this in the ancient world, if you couldn't pay it, you went to debtor's prison. So this is a very serious thing. They're trapped in their debt. One has a very great debt, one a lesser debt, but neither of them can pay. When collection time comes, the lender, inexplainably, unexplainably, just says, you know what? It's canceled. The debt is canceled. Now, what is Jesus trying to teach Simon here? What is he trying to teach us? Two things, I think. First, forgiveness is forgiveness no matter the amount of the debt. Forgiveness is forgiveness no matter the amount of the debt. And second, no debt is too great to be forgiven. No debt is too great to be forgiven. So the spiritual import for us is clear. You cannot outsin the grace of God. You cannot outsin the grace of God. This woman could not outsin the grace of God. Here she is at Jesus' feet. And we know that Jesus knows every detail. Jesus has already read Simon's thoughts. He's all-knowing. This woman is at Jesus' feet, fully known and yet fully accepted in his presence. You, whoever you are, whatever your past looks like, whatever the shame, the sense of guilt, the filth that you feel like you've carried here with you this morning, you must see that you stand before Jesus fully known. He knows it all. And if you come to Jesus the way this woman did, you will be fully accepted. Fully accepted. That's the point that he's trying to make to Simon here. There is no debt that is so great it can't be dealt with. A lesson in grace. And this lesson in grace ends with a word of forgiveness. Look at the end of the story. Verse 44, Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman, Simon? Do you see her? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. The question here, do you see this woman? Of course Simon saw her. Of course he did. She was right in front of him. The point is, Simon didn't see the woman the way Jesus saw the woman. The way he saw her. Jesus compares two postures of heart here. The attitude and the behavior of this woman and Simon the Pharisee. That's what this comparison is all about. Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water. Look at what she did. She has wet my feet with her own tears and wiped my feet with her own hair. In other words, she had shown hospitality. Again, some cultural details we have to understand here. In the ancient world, hospitality was not merely entertainment. It wasn't simply a way to entertain your family and your friends. It was a way of receiving someone and by receiving them, transforming their identity. Transforming their identity. When a stranger came into your home, through your hospitality, you transformed the identity of that person. They were no longer a stranger. They were now your guest and your friend. 
someone with whom you would fellowship. You would share your table with them. You would open your life to them. Jesus is saying to Simon, Simon, you had me in your home, but you didn't really show me hospitality. All of these basic rules, guidelines of hospitality that applied, Simon didn't really do any of it. He had this subtle contempt for Jesus, you see. He had Jesus in his home, but he didn't truly welcome him. This woman, on the other hand, she has put herself into the role of the host, even though she's the one who crashed the party. By the hospitality that she showed to Jesus, going above and beyond what was expected, she shows that she truly wants to welcome Jesus into her life. She falls at his feet. She weeps uncontrollably. She doesn't care what anyone else thinks. She's reverent. She's humble. She comes knowing Jesus is the one who can help me. Jesus is the one who can help me. So the two postures. Simon, it's a posture of dismissiveness. Just dismissiveness. I don't really, really need this Jesus. Dismissiveness. The unnamed woman, the mysterious woman, it's a posture of deference. Humility. Submission. At the end of the story, Jesus calls it a posture of faith. Therefore I tell you, Simon, her sins, this woman's sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this? Who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go now in peace. And notice at the end of the story here, Jesus does not pretend as if the woman is not a sinner. He doesn't accept her and say, you know what, you're actually okay. Nothing really we need to deal with here. He very clearly says, you are a sinner. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. This woman was filthy, but Jesus can cleanse her. This woman did have a great debt, but Jesus can deal with it, all of it. She looks to him with reverence and humility, with faith. And so Jesus says, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. She leaves the party with newfound forgiveness, purpose, and peace. So, back to our big question of the day as we wrap up. Who can become a follower of Jesus? Who can become a friend of the king? Anyone who comes to him the way this woman did. Humbly, reverently, with deference, with submission. Looking to him with faith. Simon, in this story, was a sinner. But he was a different sort of sinner. See, this morning, you are a sinner. You simply have to decide which sort of sinner will you be? Which sort of sinner will I be? Simon is what we could call a covert sinner. In other words, he was trying to cover up his sin with his religiousness. He was trying to cover up his sin by being religious. And many people in the church try to do this very thing. But this pharisaical path, it will inevitably lead you to one of two places— Fear or pride? It's the only two options. If it leads you to the place of, of fear, you will always think, perpetually, you will think, I haven't done enough. 
I haven't been religious enough. I haven't attended church enough. I haven't been separate enough. You will live in fear. You will be miserable in your own heart. And if it leads you to the place of pride, then you will have convinced yourself that you have done enough. You absolutely have gone to church enough. You absolutely have been separate enough. And it will cause you to be such a prideful individual that you will be miserable to others. Others will find you miserable. You won't be able to live with people. That's the pharisaical path. That's Simon. That's the covert sinner. You try to cover up your sin by being religious. This unnamed woman, she is an overt sinner. She acknowledges her sin. She's open about it. Nothing to hide. My debt is enormous. And she rushes to Jesus. She falls at his feet. She trusts in him. And Jesus cleanses her. He forgives her. And she leaves the party with forgiveness, with purpose, with peace. So you, whoever you are, if you go to Jesus in that same way as this woman did, he can do the same thing for you. If you are an overt sinner, then you, you can become a friend of King Jesus. Embrace, not exclusion. Embrace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this story. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you do embrace sinners who run to you weeping acknowledging our sin falling before you knowing our need and asking for help my prayer this morning is that we would all be overt sinners not not hiding not covering not trying to be self-righteous But being honest, we know our mistakes. We know our past. And at times we're ashamed. At times we're guilty. We feel guilty. But Lord Jesus, this story teaches us that you can take all of that away. you can truly transform us. So I pray that as we have heard this story this morning, that you would work these truths deep down into our hearts, making them real, helping us to apply them. Oh, Lord Jesus, may we look to you, the only one who can help us, can cleanse us, can forgive our debts. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for the new life that you provide for each and every one who comes to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.